Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you'd like to join our discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Well, it's been a week, but Doug McCary is back in the studio. Doug, how are you doing I today? am, Taylor. It's good to be back with you. I missed you guys, but I sure appreciate Brad and uh, David Gray stepping in and, uh, you know, uh, the, the interview with Aaron on uh, Thursday. So uh, thank you guys for just keeping it together and letting me go mm-hmm. away. It was awesome. Uh, got to be with some really great guys uh, last week and. uh you know, anytime you can be around a Navy SEAL or Marine, that's a cool thing. And I was around both last week. So, uh, and, uh, speaking of, uh, guys in the military, uh, on Thursday, it's veterans day. Mm. And, uh, I think they're planning a big thing downtown, maybe a parade oh, really? here in Jacksonville. Yep. And, uh, so, uh, I don't know, uh, probably you can check with your local news, uh, in, uh, Mississippi or out in Idaho or wherever, uh, up in Virginia beach on the lighthouse down in St. Aug, everybody may be doing their own thing, but I know in Jacksonville there are, um, do you know the history of veterans day? Uh, yeah, that, uh, was the day that the, um, armistice happened, right? Um, yeah. For, it's, to it's, end World it, War One. Yeah. It's interesting though. Uh, remember what World War One was known as? uh the great war the, the war, war to end all, all wars, wars. Yeah, yeah it was and so it officially ended when the treaty of versailles was signed in uh, june of 1919 um but um fighting had ceased seven months earlier when the armistice was declared and you know when it was declared it was at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month mm-hmm. and so uh for that reason, they regard November 11th officially as the end of the war to end all wars. So, um, yeah, they celebrate Veterans Day. We do want to remember our veterans, pray for them. Uh, there's a lot going on with the veterans. There's a lot of the veterans involved that, that they're looking at. Uh, not just veterans. There's other people that are looking at losing their jobs because they do not. They've had COVID. They don't feel a need to take the vaccine and yet they're being told. But I heard there was an appeal court out in Texas in that area that uh, overturned that and said that they can't mandate it. Well, that, they put a stay on it. They, right? yeah, they yeah. put a stay, so they can't but force them out. But. There are companies such as Fox and Newsmax um, that are still pushing forward and mandating it, and they're using that OSHA guideline to do so. so yeah, it's yeah. really uh, – it's, it's going to have to go to the Supreme Court, I mm-hmm. think, because it's going to affect all. But anyway, uh, uh, on Thursday, uh, there is a City of Jacksonville Veterans Day Parade, uh, and uh, it starts, I think, at 11 a.m. Um, and so uh, if you want to go downtown, uh, you might want to get there a little early, uh, before 11. So uh, – uh, other than that, uh, the big uh, thing out in Houston was kind of bad, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't even know who Travis Scott was. <laughs> uh, I guess he's a rapper. Yeah, he is. Uh, probably why I didn't know who he was. <laughs> but uh, 
Uh, not that there's anything w- w- wrong with rappers, but uh, apparently at this concert, people thought they were being jabbed by something. Well, Some people thought they a security guard said he felt jabbed. Well, then they had to revive him with Narcan. Yeah, so yeah. There, there were jabs. And going tell around. people what Narcan is again. Uh, it's so if you get um, like if you touch fentanyl or something like that, it's to get your heart back going. Right. It's like a. I don't know exactly how it works. I'm not a scientist. I just know that's what you give people. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, and uh, well, I know I'd seen people who uh, who were out in California who just opened a trunk with fentanyl in it, and they literally almost died, but they had mm-hmm. to give them that thing thing. So, so listen. So, since we have people listening up in the Virginia Beach area, this is interesting. A lady named Lori Ann Talons paid for a new kitchen, sunroom, in-ground swimming pool. Her family took trips. She shopped and dined out while paying little or nothing. For what they consumed because they were operating a 31.8 million dollar coupon fraud scheme oh wow out of their home and it's one of the largest coupon fraud schemes ever discovered in the united states she just got sentenced to 12 years in prison this is a, she's up in the virginia area 12 years in prison after pleading guilty to mail fraud wire fraud and health care fraud her husband was sentenced to over seven years, and they are, have been ordered to pay $31.8 million to retailers, but I'm telling yeah. you, that money spent a lot of it. Um, but one of the fraud victims, uh, they, they took advantage of people who like coupons, mm. and um, but that, that's just crazy, isn't it, that they, they took down over – they're responsible for $31 million worth of fraud. Um so she this lady gave them coupons for twenty four ninety nine off a twenty five dollar box of diapers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it would work. You would take it in and they'd scan the coupon and people would get it off. Isn't wow. that crazy? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. When did they catch her? Uh they they had coupons all through their house that they were um they were, you know, uh printing up mm-hmm. and putting out, but they apparently were good enough that they worked and so uh uh, and and people would subscribe to her service to get the coupons, and um, they paid her over almost a half a million dollars just to get her service. Wow! <laughs> and they just printing out these coupons and send them. So anyway, Virginia Beach people, you might want to check your coupons and make sure they're not from her. But anyway, uh, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, imagine if somebody that creative put their thoughts into real, honest work, what mm-hmm. they could accomplish. It always never it never ceases to amaze me that how criminals put all that stuff out there and, and and the effort into breaking the law. And if they would apply themselves into legal stuff, they could probably do well. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I think part of it maybe is just what you learn and what you see, but uh, probably part of it to do it legally is a lot harder work. You know what I mean? And maybe not as creative, but uh, still harder. So I, I would have guessed that's why people do what they do. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, and I, I since I w- was out of town, um, uh, big news up in uh, up in uh, Virginia, who, you know, the, the oh, lighthouse mm-hmm. up there, uh, Youngkin, uh, Glenn Youngkin uh, defeated McAuliffe. But what was amazing is Lori told me that uh, the, one of the first things they did at his victory announcement was they prayed 
How cool is that? They yeah. had a pastor, one of the pastors from a church up there, step up and led in prayer before they ever did anything. Mm. And so I I just think that's awesome and uh, excited. But you know he's a racist, though, right? Well, come on, Taylor. <laughs> I, I was trying to focus on the positive. Uh, I, I was focusing on the positive. He came in. Well, if you listen and, to the media, that's I, all well, he is. I well, mean, it, the, the a me- black lady just uh, won first statewide office, but, you know. Oh, yeah, c- congratulations ticket. to her, too. She was a former Marine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so was her husband. Uh, yeah. Winsome Sears. Yeah. Great so, uh, yeah, I, I listened to an interview she did, thought she was great. And listen, politics aside, uh, I, I think it's uh, it's really incredible that they start off the victory thing with a prayer. I, I mean, just to give God the credit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know anything about their, their spiritual lives, but I just think just to present that is great. Uh, bad news for the Gator fans it, it was a bad weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a very bad weekend. South Carolina defeated them pretty handily, and uh, that's not a good sign because South Carolina is not rocking the SEC this year. <laughs> not that we need to get off into sports too much, but I say all that to say we need to pray for the Gators. <laughs> um, and their families. Yeah, pray, pray for their families, the coaches. Uh, yeah, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, it's uh, – it's pretty. Uh, it, it was pretty rugged uh, for him. I felt bad, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I was glad to be back in the studio today. I miss being here. Uh, miss uh, being able to interact with you. And um, hey, I wanted to let our listeners know tomorrow uh, because uh, I will be doing something with Taylor with a ministry here in town. Um, we are going to replay a. Um, a, a previous broadcast and it's really been very well requested already um i played it just uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was a lady i met up in uh, uh missouri um uh, holly uh snell uh who wrote a book with her sister called dancing on my ashes a very very powerful interview and uh, i'm gonna um I'm going to have her uh, play that tomorrow or have them play that tomorrow of her interview is really, really well done. And so uh, just uh, if you want to get perspective, listen to that interview because her and her sister have a very powerful story. They wrote this book called Dancing on My Ashes, very solid. And uh, Taylor and I'll be back on Wednesday. And uh, yeah, so it's good to be back with you. And we're looking at, uh, I know y'all covered uh, uh, Cornelius, but Cornelius is such a pivotal moment in the church history, and it's such a great thing that we're going to talk about it uh, again this week, uh, today and Wednesday. And uh, so, yeah, I look forward to kind of discussing it with you. Yeah, it'll be good. Uh, and uh, obviously, it'll be nice to get your perspective on it uh, for people who haven't uh, been at SWAT meetings. Um, so uh, <laughs> something good. Did you see, uh, I guess, yeah, we got one minute left. Did you see that about the... Uh, the spending bill getting passed, or the infrastructure bill getting passed, with thirteen Republicans helping. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to do it. Yes, but I think it's going to be a bad deal for 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 uh, the Democratic Party. I don't think? think it's going to be a positive thing. Well, you know? I don't. I, I just think that thirteen Republicans to to you know uh, go along with that. Yeah. Um, that's just a bad look, and 
raises questions about the Republican Party at large, in my mind. Well, unless they did it because they wanted it to pass, so they wanted it to be hanging on them. If you get into that political thinking, I don't know. But I'm excited to get into Cornelius. We're going to get into Acts 10 when we come back, and uh, I look forward to maybe uh, taking anybody's call at the last segment today. All right, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. by David Crowder. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, we are going to be looking at Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 33 this week. Uh, We did look at that last week, but that was while Doug was out of town. So we're going to pick it up and check it out again um, with a fresh perspective. Well, and yeah, I, I, you know, it's part two because I know you guys talked about it. I just, I think it's such an important part of what's going on. And the, and the reason I think it's important is because when you consider who it was happening to uh, and who is, who was who was the one who God used to uh, kind of bring Cornelius in, Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was not just a Roman citizen. He was not just a Roman soldier. He was a Roman centurion. Uh, the, the Roman centurions, the way the, the the structure of the Roman army was set up is you had a legion, and that legion was made up of 6,000 men, and that legion was made up of cohorts, and each cohort was made up of six um, uh, six centuries, and, and so you had six centuries or six centurions that would lead one cohort, and and so here he is, a leader of one of those uh, 100-man groups. And when we think of Centurion, you know, we read a name like Cornelius, and we don't think, if you really want to get an idea, there's a, I think there's a movie called The Centurion 
mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. Eagle or, 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 or you can, yeah, yeah, there's a few out there that can give you an idea about Roman centurions. There's actually a brand the, new it, show called the barbarian that came out last year. Very oh, good. really? They speak in Latin and, and uh, Germanic. So you have to read uh, or German, uh, you have to read subtitles, but it's really well done as far as the history. Yeah. See, that's the thing I like a gladiator. Another now, again, these movies, um, they carry an R rating because they're bloody. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, because that was the way life was back then. But when we see Cornelius in scripture, don't just gloss over him as a Roman, soldier this guy was battle hardened he he was in palestine and he uh, he was over uh, in caesarea which is where that really pontius pilate's headquarters was and so uh, they would have had a fairly fortified uh, port there because uh, that was considered one of the greatest seaports of that time and so for cornelius to be in that area he was he was he knew what was going on and when you consider peter peter was the leader of the way now i mean jesus was off the scene he had resurrected and he left peter to kind of lead that group and so peter's reputation would have been known he had already been thrown in jail not once but twice and the romans most certainly would have been talking about the threat of the the way i mean they were like the isis to the jewish people of that day but they weren't subversive in the sense they were violent they were just getting the word out but they were having such a power that eight thousand followers have new followers are on board and so peter was over in jerusalem and as you taught a few weeks ago god brought him through joppa and to caesarea but he put him in joppa for about two years and while he's in Joppa, God gives him a vision, and, and we're going to have you read the, the section we're going to look at today. Today, we're just going to look at the first, uh, well, well, we'll look at, um, yeah, we'll look at the first uh, 26 verses, maybe. Uh, actually, we'll look at the first eight verses today, because I think it's important just to see what's going on with Cornelius and how God is moving in this man who is not a believer yet. He is not a follower of Jesus. He certainly heard of Jesus because he's in Caesarea. The Romans would have known who Jesus was. This is um, probably about 10 years after his death. The The following or the way of, you know is still growing, and Peter's leading the group, and uh, he, he would have known that just because he would have been briefed on threats to the peace in that area. So I'm going to have you read verses 1 through 8, and we're just going to talk about Cornelius. And this week, again, I know you covered it last week, but I want to uh, go over it again, that his salvation experience has some elements that are part of every salvation experience, yours, mine, everybody. In fact, I dare say there's no salvation experience that does not include these elements in it. Uh, And so the first element is, that he works through a divinely orchestrated plan. God has a plan for each person. Now, that's that's kind of wild when you think about the creator of the universe having a divine plan to bring you into his family. I mean, that that your value is not based on what any human thinks, but it's based on the fact that God ordains you to be part of his family. Second, he works through divinely ordained priests. He has deployed priests all over the world. If you're his, you are one of his priests. 
So he works through these divinely ordained priests. Third, in every salvation experience, people have a divine opportunity to profess their loyalty and their love toward God. I mean, they, it, it, you don't, it's not just a simple, I mean, for some people it may be raising a hand. To raise a hand in Minneapolis, Minnesota or Atlanta, Georgia, is not the same as raising a hand over in uh, Afghanistan or in China. And so that may be an opportunity, but there is an opportunity to profess your love and loyalty to Christ in every salvation experience because you see that, that at some point you differentiate yourself between the world and Jesus. Uh, I mean, the world has its people that are Satan's sons that will always be his sons and daughters. And then Jesus has his people. And so he gives you this opportunity to profess. And fourth, there's this divine observable presence. The presence of God is always observable in somebody's salvation experience. Now, it may not be manifested in some supernatural weird way like Paul getting, you know, um, blinded on the road to Damascus. It's usually manifested through his people, and that's what we see with Cornelius. And by the way, even with Saul, it was manifested through people who? Ananias, right? Yeah. And so uh, read verses 1 through 8, and today we're going to look at this divinely orchestrated plan that God puts together and how he works through a divinely orchestrated plan, starting in Acts chapter 10, verse 1. All right. At Caesarea, there was a man... There was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Then the angel who spoke to him had depart. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having relayed everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Joppa. He sent them to Joppa. That's an important name. It's mentioned twice, just in this small section you read. Joppa is current day Jaffa, but it's also the place where a prophet tried to run away from God, and that'll be important as we go later in the week. But let's just look at these first eight verses here. Starting in verse one, Caesarea, as I shared, was a city. It was one of the, it was probably the most, it was the largest seaport in the world at this time, bigger than Alexandria, uh, which was a Mm. huge seaport. And it was built by King Herod for Caesar. King Herod built this amazing – he actually built a swimming pool in the sea itself. He was able to, to – he was a phenomenal engineer or had phenomenal engineers to build all this stuff. And so I've walked this this the ruins of Caesarea, and even it's just magnificent to look at the way it would have been laid out – they had a theater there. They had a place for the uh, chariot races there. Uh, uh, they, they, they had, it was fortified. And that's where Cornelius was. And notice what it says. He was a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. That word, There's that word cohort, 
which was made up of what? Six centuries. And so what, what does that Italian tell you? That he was from Rome. This was not a guy who was Jewish over there. This was a Roman Gentile who was on mission to defend Pontius Pilate. He was part of the defense system there against subversives, Jews, the zealots, and all the people that hated Rome. He was he was on guard against them. But notice what it says after that. It says he was a devout man. He was a devout man. Um, that that word indicates that here's a guy who who was disciplined in his spiritual life. He was disciplined in his spiritual life, and you know. Taylor, I think that that is something that's um, sadly missing a lot today. It's it's um, if you hear the word devout, what goes through your mind when you hear that word? If somebody says he's a devout man, obedient. Hmm? Yeah, that's what I would think of an obedient, uh, God fearing person, someone who loves God. Yeah, um, it's um, you know, and a and a lot of times people think, well, that means he goes to church a lot. Oh, no, <laughs> you know I what I'm saying? That. But some people think that, oh, yeah. he's devout. Uh, some people might use the term religious. Um, but it's somebody who is is devoted to the disciplines of God, devoted to loyalty to God, somebody who um, who fears God, it says, with all his household. So what does that tell you about him? Well, that he was... Uh... I guess household that goes beyond his children, but I would say you're you know you're raising your children in the fear of the Lord, but you're also setting an example that um, the people around you are compelled by, and they, therefore they want to follow as well. Yeah, and so uh, what we see is God coming to Cornelius, and and he is going to appear through an angel to him. He's going to instruct him how to be saved. How to move from being an unbeliever to a true believer. How to move from being outside of God's family to inside. And when we come back, we're going to further look at that. All right, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. We'd like to give a shout out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER, as well as all of our local listeners, 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in Folkestone, Georgia. We'd also like to give a shout out to our listeners listening online, wherever you are in the country or around the world. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the news. to SWAT Radio. That was Red Letters by David Crowder. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 33, excuse me, this week. And today we're looking at verses 1 through 8. Uh, We just read the text and are now diving deeper into Cornelius and what life was like for him and what it meant for the angel to 
to appear to him and how he responds. Yeah, and we we were talking about the word devout, really what it means before we went. The 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 Greek word there is the word eusebase, and it actually it, what it means is um, it, it it means somebody who is reverent or worshipful. Uh, it does uh, also use uh, the term religious in their devotion, uh, and and that's what he was known for. Uh, he was known as a, a devout man who feared God with his household. Like you said, it's not just his children; it's his servants too. And uh, he he gave alms generously to the people. He he gave to the poor. It says he prayed continually. Now, here's what's crazy, Taylor, is he's not a believer. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit in him. Yeah. But he probably prays the mo- most people here who say they have the Holy Spirit <laughs> in him. Yeah. He gives to people probably more than people that say they have the Spirit in him. I mean, here's a guy who was seeking a relationship with the one true living God. And I think what's so amazing about this story is, you know, you hear all the time people say, well, what about the native? God's not going to send the people in Africa to hell or the people in India to hell that have never heard. Listen, if God has people anywhere on the earth that are his, he will get a messenger to them. Yeah. And we see that in this story uh, because God had a divinely orchestrated plan. And one of the things that we need to take note of is that he is absolutely sovereign in who he chooses. I mean, Cornelius grew up in Rome, probably, more than likely. He grew up in and around Rome, part of the Italian cohort that was sent over there. And he grew up worshiping pagan gods, more than likely. And at some point, he came to the point where he going, this is ridiculous. This isn't working. They don't hear me. They don't, you know, they don't, uh, I, what, who am I even praying to? Caesar's, and remember, he was in Caesar's army. And what was required of every person, not just the soldiers, but the people of Rome, they had to, they had to pay tribute to Caesar as a god. Yeah, give a pinch to Caesar. Yeah. They had to pay tribute to him. And so he was more than just a citizen. He was a soldier. And he was more than just a soldier. He was a centurion. So he had to lead people in honoring Caesar as God. But at some point, he's going, this doesn't add up for me. I don't know if you're out there even, and, and you've this is your life. You, you've been searching your whole life to find peace. And you really do want a relationship with the one true living God because deep inside of you, God has placed his fingerprint on you and says, you're mine. You are mine, but you've never lived in the power of his Holy Spirit. You've never really felt the peace of being reconciled to the one true living God. And like Cornelius, I believe he was praying for salvation. He was praying for God to reveal himself. And what happens is God does. He reveals himself and he's sovereign. We see you know, people struggle with this whole idea of sovereignty and salvation. And remember in Galatians 1.15, we, we covered when Paul was persecuting Christians on the road, not seeking God. He says, before the foundation of the world, what? God picked me. Mm-hmm. And, and so you have to pull that Galatians 1 out of the Bible 
if you deny that God's sovereignty and salvation. You have to pull Romans 9 out of the Bible if you deny God's sovereignty and salvation. And so it's not, uh, it's not uh, Calvinism. It is biblical. <laughs> it, you know, people give these, these systematic terms because people write systematic theologies to try to explain a lot of stuff. And some of it's good. Some of it gets taken to an extreme. But the bottom line is God is absolutely sovereign in choosing his people. It's throughout Scripture. John six forty four. Jesus speaking, says, No one can come to me unless what? Unless my Father draws him. Yeah. What? Well, wait a minute. I, I can't even come to you unless God the Father starts drawing me. That's what he says. Uh, over in Acts 13, 48, just a few chapters later, when they're talking about the Gentiles, it says, um, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. This is in verse 48. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Wait a minute. Those who were appointed believed. So that's, that's resting with God. But yet we are not robots. We have a human responsibility to uh, respond, uh, and we do. It's somehow God reconciles those two things together in a way that we can't explain. And I think if we could explain it, it would probably uh, mean it's not of God, I think, you know, if we can figure it out. Yeah. God didn't want us to figure that out. But listen what he says about Jeremiah one five: Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Does that give you encouragement, Taylor, to think that before you were even a thought in your dad's mind to marry your mom, he knew you would be here, right here, doing this? Yeah, I think it just highlights um, how immense, how, how, how much more God is as a being than we can really even comprehend you know what I mean? To to really, it, it's just he's so far beyond us that without him uh, moving it's, in the it's, world. It's unbelievable. Can. It really is. And I think a lot of times we bring him down mm-hmm. so we can understand him. Mm-hmm. And we think because we can understand algebra and calculus mm-hmm. that we can understand the almighty God. Yeah. His ways are not our ways. And so he is absolutely sovereign in choosing his people. But we also see he's sovereign in choosing his timing. Because it was here, 10 years after Jesus was resurrected, two years after Peter had been in Joppa. Why now? Well, because that's when God wanted it to happen, right? Isaiah sixty-five twenty-four says, before they call, I will answer. Why do you think Cornelius was praying to the God of all creation possibly to be saved? Because because uh, God was drawing him to Christ. Exactly. And so how could how could Isaiah write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, before they call, I will answer, except God knows he's moving in people to call. Mm-hmm. And when those prayers are answered, your faith grows and you begin. That's that relationship, right? And over in Acts 16, uh, verse 7, Paul tried to go to Asia 
in Mysia, and it said they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Why? Why would not God allow them to go over there? Well, because he didn't want them to go right then. And so so often we get frustrated with God. You know, and, and we look at modern evangelism methods in the church and church growth. Well, of course God wants big churches. Well, does he? Why wouldn't he want a big army? He didn't want Gideon to have a big army. He whittled him down to 300. And we go, but yeah, but we need to get more people in the church. Well, maybe. What if he wants your church to only have 200 in it? And he wants to use your church in, in neat ways. What if he only wants your Bible study to have five people in it? You know, we, we get so caught up on success the way it looks like. You have all these books out there about goal setting. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having goals. But when those goals are human-driven, yeah. and, and, and you think that if, if, you have a, if you have this humongous 30,000-member church. You got to know any of them? Yeah. And, and, well, if everybody gives $1, you got $30,000. If you have 10 people in the church, 10 people, and everybody gives 3000 which is like more amazing. I mean, if you have 10 people in church and you need $30,000, you go, or let's say $300,000. You see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. in the same way, when God told Gideon, Gideon, you got too many people. I want you to whittle down. Why? Because I don't want you to get the glory. So God is sovereign in his people. When he chooses, he's sovereign in his timing, how he works. And he's sovereign in his plan. Uh, Isaiah 55, 8 says, my plans are not like yours. Um, God's sovereign who he sends, he's sovereign how he sends, and he's sovereign when he sends. And as we look at uh, the divinely ordained priest, we'll get into that tomorrow, we're going to look at how he worked. Now, just to real quick to get back to the text, it was the ninth hour of the day. You know what goes on during the ninth hour of the day? That's about three in the afternoon. It's the evening sacrifice. Oh. Wow. Now, here's the thing. It says Cornelius was a God-fearer. He feared God. There, had th- there were three categories of non-Jewish people. There was your pagan Gentile, there was a God-fearing Gentile, and there was the uh, converted Gentile who was a proselyte. The proselyte usually had been circumcised. He was in the second category. So he feared God, but why, and, and, he, and he was good to the Jewish people, but why would he not have been circumcised? Well, maybe he had heard about Jesus being mm. the sacrifice, and maybe he he didn't feel compelled to go join the Jewish temple worship because they were still doing sacrifices, right? Ten, ten years after the Christ death, mm-hmm. it didn't stop till 70 A.D., and so they're still doing that, but he didn't do that. And so it was about the hour of the evening sacrifice when he was praying, and an angel came and said, Cornelius, and he stared in terror. Now, this is a Roman centurion that was terrorized by this angel. So these people out there, it goes, yeah, I had an angel pop in on me. And they go, what'd you do? I was just talking to him and just chilling out. Right. It probably wasn't a real angel. Yeah. It probably was some kind of weird manifestation. But he said, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter, He's lodging with Simon a Tanner, whose house is by the sea. 
And when we come back, people can call, but I want to just talk about Simon the Tanner and Simon by the Sea. He was there for two years and the significance of that when we come back. All right, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. I push, I pull, go back and forth, finding myself. Pounding on a locked door, I try to make it out alone without your help. But I know I never win this war. I can never be, never be free without you. I can never be, never be me without you. That is Freedom Hymn by Austin French. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 33 this week. Today we're focusing on verses 1 through 8. If you would like to join uh, the discussion or if you have any questions, please call us at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Well, I want to I go back to verse 4 real quick, Taylor. Uh, when he says your prayers and alms, in other words, your your devotion to me and how you've put me on display to people, even though you're not even a believer, you don't have the Holy Spirit, have ascended as a memorial before God. That that word means something to be remembered. So isn't that interesting that in the inspiration of the Spirit, what God is saying is, here's a guy who doesn't have the Holy Spirit in him yet. He's not been baptized in the Spirit. But his heart is soft toward me. He's praying and connecting with me. He wants to connect with me. And he's going out doing those things that I've asked my people to do. And so um, the angel said, now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. Now, what's interesting about this is if Peter was there for two years, which uh, several commentators have made that uh, connection there through looking at different chronologies, mm-hmm. that uh, if he was there for two years in the home of a tanner, a tanner is somebody that worked with dead animals who would have technically been unclean to Jewish people, mm-hmm. ceremonially unclean. But Peter obviously stayed there in that house for two years. And 
when God's angel told Cornelius to send people there, he sent not only two servants, but it says he sent a devout soldier. He sent a devout soldier. This is somebody who was loyal to him because he wanted to make sure these people went there, communicated to Simon Peter, and he sent them to Joppa. And, uh, you know, as we think about this divinely orchestrated plan, what we're going to see tomorrow, not tomorrow, but Wednesday, is that while Cornelius is having this interaction with God, God is already prepping Peter for what's going to happen. And, you know, I guess God could have revealed Cornelius's name to him, but Cornelius's name wasn't important. Why? He didn't. He was just a Roman centurion. Why was Peter's name important? He was the leader of the way. Yeah. He would have known him. He would have made a connection to the fact that this was the guy who has been arrested twice, who was a lead. He was like on the probably the the Roman top ten most wanted, you know, because mm-hmm. of this subversion stuff. And so uh but don't don't miss this that uh, in every salvation experience God works through a divinely orchestrated plan. That means if if you're His, there was a divine plan, and you sh- you should be grateful for how He's worked that He chose you. Uh, be grateful for the people He brought into your life, not just to bring you to the point of submission and surrender to Him, but even those who have helped grow you. Uh, I, I think gratitude is always a good thing, that we should be grateful for the people God uses in our life, and it should really drive us to want to be faithful priests to other people just because of what's been done for us. And I think we, we miss out on that. We we view being a priest as an obligation. We view being a priest as a demand on our schedule we don't want to deal with instead of really being grateful and saying, okay, I, w- I want to do whatever he wants because I don't deserve to be here. Right. And so, um, so that's that divinely orchestrated plan. When we come back Wednesday, we're going to jump, jump down into verse nine all the way through, uh, probably 33. We'll try, probably try to get all, all the rest of it and look at how he, he was preparing Peter and how they both had opportunities to profess loyalty to God and display their their true uh, belief in God, and then also uh, how the presence of God was so visible in Peter and those with him that uh, Cornelius said, "We are here in the presence of God." I mean, that's that's amazing. I don't think that phrase is used again in the New Testament. I don't think, mm. except for right there. So, and where was God's presence? It was in Peter and the six men with him. So. Uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it for today. Uh, you got any thoughts or questions? Well, it's just interesting uh, kind of how you laid out that about um, him being a Roman centurion. Obviously, that would be somebody who had you know a, a good amount of wealth but also status. But then to think about, uh, you know, maybe Peter's reaction if there hadn't been, a, you know, any vision and he hadn't been prepped at all, like, man, okay, wait a minute. The, <laughs> there's a, a Roman centurion that wants to see me. And here's a Roman soldier that came with him with two servants. Like, how legit is, you know, is this some sort of a a, a trap or something? Because, you know, if you think about, like, political intrigue and, 
you know, the way being a threat to peace and stability, well, hey, maybe we'll uh, do a little bit of this to get rid of, cut off the head of the snake, I guess, of how the Romans would have seen it. You know what I mean? Well, recently I had a one of our SWAT guys brought up something. You know, we, we've obviously had the chosen uh, uh, writer-director, uh, Dallas Jenkins, on a couple of times. He's recently come under fire because of um, – because of uh, the Mormon stuff, yeah, some Mormon stuff. But you know, when, when you stop and think about it, I want you to go back to Peter, and I want you to think about what was going on in Peter's life. I think a lot of times we write off whole churches, a lot of times, or cults, whatever. It doesn't matter because of what we've heard about them, and because people are there. But God may have people within those groups that are his. Now, I'm not saying um, that that you endorse the group. And I listened to his interviews two or three times because I was upset when I first heard it. But if you go back and you listen to the interview, unless I'm not hearing correctly, he doesn't endorse the group. He endorses the people. And he sees them as his friends and he is trying to, you know, tr- I think trying to witness to them is what I get out of it. I could be wrong in that, but I think a lot of times we write off whole groups when God may have people in there. Peter could have easily had written off Cornelius because he was Roman and said, I'm not going to do this. In fact, God had to give him the, the vision three mm-hmm. times, right? And so I think that uh, if we have a bad gr- uh, experience with some group um, or, or we're familiar with their warped theology, um, we can write off the whole group when maybe I know personally people that got, that were very high up in the Mormon church that God called out through personal witness of people to them. Again, you have to be careful that you don't get perceived as saying this is okay. Like I know there have been people who saying, well, I don't know if what they believe. I can tell you as a whole what the Mormons teach, if you get into their teaching, is very warped theology. It's a very works-based theology. Well, yeah, and their their theology, like who, who they believe God is, God is not. Well, they um, believe Jesus is and Satan were brothers. Now, they, if you go into a Mormon church tomorrow, they're not going to start you off with that. Yeah, you don't learn some of these things until you get very high up. Within They've the gone church. through your endowment ceremony. Um, yeah, but they believe in essence that that I think it said as God was, so we are; as God is, so we will become. Um, and the idea is that God is not a. Uh, all-knowing, all-powerful being is—he's a being that has ascended uh, to that place, and so that in that in their theology, God can change His mind because you know up until the 1970s, uh, black people couldn't attain the priesthood, quote unquote, so they couldn't be part of the church. And then uh, the Quorum of the Twelve come out and say, "Oh, well, now that that can happen," and we would say, "Well, that's an inconsistency." Hello, and they'd say, "Well, no, God changes His mind; He's learning things just like we are." And so, uh, well, that's blasphemous yeah, right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, so they they have a very warped theology, as you say, but there are plenty of people in the in the Mormon Church who they don't know this stuff, and they well, think- I'd say the same thing even about the Roman Catholic Church. The mm-hmm. Church as an institution has very warped theology, but if you know if it wasn't for the Catholic Church, we wouldn't have copies of the Scriptures today, and so 
uh, again, I, I think one of the things that comes out of this text to me is that God calls Peter to be a priest and go into a very uncomfortable situation for him. And uh, because God is sovereign who he calls, and he's sovereign how he calls, and he's sovereign when he calls. And so we can't put limits on God. And that's all I'm trying to say, even about Dallas Jenkins and whatever. Listen, I have had no problems theologically with what I've seen on the chosen TV series. Uh, I personally probably would not have made some of the, the statements that he's made, but that's not, he's not me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I listened to the interviews and I know some people have expressed concern, but I didn't hear anything that caused me alarm. Um, I I still think uh, it's a lot to, to give you culture. I mean, I like the series because it does give you culture uh, and you get to get a picture of even Romans in some of the ways they may have interacted and things. But again, it's a TV show. It's not scripture. They do try to, uh, they obviously add, they, they try to condense a lot of stuff together and, and they made the caveat that, Hey, we know this isn't scripture. We're just trying to get people to go to the Bible. Mm-hmm. If that's their goal, I think I applaud them for that. I, and, and, uh, I think it's a great way to do that. We need to go to the Bible. I told somebody earlier, um, today, the Bible is our only source of truth. That's our source of truth. Mm-hmm. If you if you want to know anything about how to know the one true living God, the Bible is it. There is no source outside of the Bible and the Holy Spirit working through that word to get into your heart. So I hope you'll stay with us this week. Tomorrow, real quick, um, also, I want to remind you that Holly Snell, we're going to replay that Holly Snell interview, Dancing on My Ashes powerful story tune in and then taylor and i'll be back on wednesday all right you've been listening to swat radio if you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs please visit us at www.swatradio.com that's www.swatradio.com or you can listen to our podcast by searching swat radio and you can also download our swat app in the app store join us weekdays at three o'clock for more swat radio we will see you then thanks for tuning in hope you have a great day If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual